seated. Let's still our hearts now before God in prayer. And as this hymn we have been singing from Luther, it is a hymn that is strong in conviction, standing on the ground of the Lord Jesus Christ and what He has done for us. And I'm encouraged by what He wrote in the third stanza that when the devil comes against us with his raging winds or with his subtle temptations, he said, one little word shall fell him. And that means, as the Lord has given to us, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And that's the great hope that we have tonight. That's the power and the strength that God has put within every believer. And no matter what attack you are going under at this current time, you can be confident to know that the victory we have is in the risen Redeemer and that one word can fell Him. Let us take confidence in that today and rejoice as we come to worship the living and the true God. We will know His power, the power of the Spirit of God in us. And as we have that joy and peace, we're able to go forward not being afraid, not full of fear, we know the Lord has given us victory over the fear that so often can consume us. 
Now let's pray today and ask for his blessing in our meeting. Loving Father, we come this day in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We come, dear Father, at the commencement of this Lord's Day service, and we are thankful for the grace that we have experienced from another week, enabling us to be here, enabling us to enter in and to come to fellowship with others of like precious faith, enabling us with health and strength to come to a service in person. And Lord, most of all, as we have come to meet with the living and the true God today, Father, we lift our hearts to heaven. We come in the Savior's precious name, knowing that we are welcome, knowing that we are invited, knowing that as we come to the throne of grace, it will be to obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of our need. Dear Lord, today I pray that whatever burden is upon the hearts of your people, that each one of us would be able to bring and cast those burdens upon the Lord, for you have promised to sustain us and hold us up. And so, Lord, we come with confidence this morning. We come with joy and thanksgiving, and we pray the Holy Spirit will enable us in our praying publicly and privately, enabling us as we read the Scripture to be edified and built up in our most holy faith, enabling your servant today as he comes to open the Scriptures and present the truth that he will be strengthened and encouraged in his own heart and that as we receive the word, it will be mixed with faith so that we will grow in the Lord Jesus. Father, every heart is open today in your presence. Each one of us are transparent, Lord, before the holy eyes of our great God. And I pray that as believers, we would not try to mask or hide anything, that, Lord, we would open our souls and say, come, Lord, examine us. Come, Father, and see through us and minister to the very place and point where we have need. You know every heart. You know every problem, every concern. And, dear Father, I pray today that we would find grace and strength to trust more firmly, to trust more with all of our being in the God, in the Lord who has saved us and redeemed our souls. And Father, we have been saved in order to serve. We have been saved that we might be conformed to the image of our Lord Jesus. And we pray that that will be done with greater acceleration. Lord, we would see less of ourselves and more of Christ. And Father, what today about any in our service who are not saved? Is it not time, Lord, 
for you to work in their hearts? Is it not time to bring conviction and conversion? Is it not time, Lord, to save those for whom Christ died? We plead, Lord, today for a working of sovereign grace in the hearts of unbelievers. We think not only of those in person in the service, but, Lord, we do pray also for those watching online who we cannot see, but, Lord, they are seen by a divine eye. And so work in every soul, we pray today. Remember some who are set aside with great sickness. We do remember again Mrs. June Hamilton. We pray for our sister uh, that you would support her and help her. We pray for Joanna, that grade 10 student facing surgery in tomorrow. Oh God, come very near to her. Bless her. Bless her parents. Help them at this time. Remember the needs of others in our congregation set aside, some because of the loss of loved ones recently. Pour in oil and joy and blessing and peace. And dear Father, today, as we acknowledge and think of the history and the great heritage that we have of what happened through the Protestant Reformation, dear God, today, we stand in the light of the blessings of that time period and of what the Spirit of God did through men, through women, in saving them and releasing them from the bondage of, of Romanism. O oh God, today, the great heritage that the church has received as a result of that time period, I pray that we will not be forgetful, but we will remember and give thanks from our heart and realize, Lord, that the heritage that we have today, we want to maintain that and be faithful to the word of truth. So, dear God, hear our prayer today. Remember the needs of our land. Remember our governments. Remember, Lord, those in political places of authority I pray that they will be directed and guided in the center of divine will. And I pray, Lord, that they will be kept from their foolish and sinful actions. And I pray that their agenda would be bent and twisted away from evil and that you would bless that which is right and true and good. So, dear God, hear our prayer today. Bless all of our churches Watch over each one of them. Think of Brother Cranston today, asking, Lord, for your mercy upon him, a touch upon his body, to bless him. And bless Brother Boyle as he ministers there today and then tonight in Barrie. And they spend their final few days in Toronto before they head back to Mexico. Strengthen them and encourage their hearts. Hear our prayer in all these matters. We ask today in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Let's sing again, please, to the Lord's praise and worship, Psalm 40. If you're using our hymnal, the Psalms are at the back of our book. Let's stand, please, as we worship.
going to read today for a congregational reading in the book of Revelation, the Revelation chapter 5. Revelation 5, verse 1. And I, John, saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the back side, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look therein. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth, And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hath redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and hath made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice many angels round about the throne, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousands and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth, and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. What a portion 
of the Word of God. My, if you're having a bad day, it would be a good day to open Revelation 5 and read it to yourself. The victory of the Lamb, the victory of the Son of God, the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and the glory that is due unto His name. Friend, if you know Christ here this morning, if you are saved by His grace, then you have every reason to say, as John the Apostle did, and of the angels in heaven, and all that could have a voice to say, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Well, today is the closest day to what we know as Reformation Day, October the 31st. And we, as a Protestant church, are careful to acknowledge the Protestant Reformation and to say that we stand without apology with those who stand on the Word of God, who stand acknowledging the great movement that God did in the time of the Reformation. And when we acknowledge that today, we don't say it in any boastful way at all. We don't say it thinking that we are better than anyone else, but we say it humbly to acknowledge the working of God in history that has brought to us the great benefits and blessings, and the primary one would be the open Scriptures that we have in our hand. Because the Word of God has been translated into almost, well, many, many languages in the world today, and it all has been brought out of the release that came by God from the Roman Catholic institution that held the Word of God closed. It was not an open book. At those times, it was illegal for a person to have a copy of the Word of God in their own language. We can hardly imagine that today unless you go to some lands, to some Muslim countries today, to those that are opposed to the Word of God, and it is a closed book there. It's illegal to have the Bible, but we in our nations, we have the Scriptures. And perhaps, believer, we have become a little bit too familiar we become a little bit too careless with the fact that we have the Bible in our own language. What are we doing with it? Are we taking the Word of God to our heart? Do we meditate on it each day? Do we memorize the truth to our heart? Oh, I pray that we will not be careless. We will not be sleepy. but We will be alive and awake and conscious to the great heritage that we have been given by God. You know, when Luther, on October the 31st in 1517, when he nailed his, 30, his 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg, it was a protest against the indulgences that the Roman Catholic Church was putting out, saying that people could buy their way out of purgatory and into heaven. And if people on earth would pay for the sins of someone who had died in their family, and it was all an emotional thing to to try to squeeze every last penny out of the poor people that they could in order to big, build great basilicas in Rome. And God opened the eyes of a few people and a simple monk in Germany 
God opened his understanding and brought him to the light and the truth of the gospel that salvation is not by works. Salvation cannot be paid by a few coins in your pocket. You can't get someone out of hell by putting a few dollars on the, on the, be- on the plate. No, it was only God's grace and God's saving grace and the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. It's only through that that we could ever have a hope of getting to eternity and to glory. And that's exactly what our Lord did on the cross of Calvary. He paid the debt of our sins so that today we are free. Today we have hope for eternity. And that is why, dear friends, we acknowledge and recognize what God did in the great revival of the Protestant Reformation. Never be ashamed of that. Never think that it's something that should be apologized for. Never. Because what God revealed through men like Luther and Melanchthon and Zwingli and Calvin and a host of other reformers, he revealed to them that which had been hidden away. And when the Bible came into the hands of, of, of people, they sought illumination and were given that by the Spirit of God. And they were brought to see that they can't buy salvation. It is a free gift. It's given. And when the gift is given, you receive that which is given. And we are made kings and priests unto God. And that's exactly what we've read in Revelation 5 because we are told here in this very portion that we have been made kings and priests unto God in verse 10. And so, friend, today you need no other priest but Christ. He is our great high priest and He has made us kings before Him. And so that was a great truth that came out of the Protestant Reformation that we have a personal relationship with the Lord. We can go directly to God through Christ. And in so doing, we have hope and we have peace and we have the joy of knowing Him as our Lord and our Savior today. So may God encourage your hearts and may you be blessed through the reading and through the precious truth that we have before us today. A warm word of welcome to all of you this morning in the house of God. We're happy to see you. We're glad that you are here. And if you're visiting with us for the first time today, or you've come back and you are a new visitor to the congregation, we're very happy that you're here. Take a moment and sign our visitor's book at the back. And for those folks who are viewing our service online today, you are very, very welcome And uh, we hope that you'll contact us. An email will come up on the screen at some time through the service. And you're very welcome to send us a note that we could pray with you and pray for you and just be encouraged that you've been able to join the service today. We're very happy to have Reverend Brian McClung from Newton Abbey, Northern Ireland, with us. I'll say a little bit more about a welcome and introduction to our brother before he comes to preach but he has been spending a week of meetings in Port Hope this last week, 
and uh, they were well received. And for any who are able to go there, we're thankful for the ministry of God's servant. I do remember Brother Cranston. He has had a tough time this week. He has been down three times with a fever, and it's a, a fever that a viral thing that's come back to him time and time again. And he struggles through that, and he was very sorry he was not able to make it out to all of the meetings the past week. But do remember Brother Cranston in your prayers as well. Very happy that uh, Juanita Illigan is in our service today, and we want to acknowledge our sister before the Lord today, and certainly because of the recent loss of her dear husband. And we want to pray for her and for her family at this time and just let them know we're thinking about them today, and we pray for you. And, of course, others in our congregation who have recently lost loved ones, we hold you up before the Lord as well. Brother Boyle has been, and his wife, have been spending the last week a little bit of a break. They were up north in uh, the cottage country, and they were having some time uh, just to themselves as a family as they get back to Mexico. They're leaving next Thursday, but they have a a busy schedule this week of visiting different people in the congregation here and also seeing some family members. And also, he'll be speaking in our school assembly uh, tomorrow morning, so we're looking forward to that. But keep him in prayer. They return back to Mexico on Thursday and uh, will be very back, very busy in the work that they are returning to. Some very encouraging news for our denomination, and uh, as we've been praying in our congregation for our churches that are without pastors, one of them that has been on our radar is Orlando. And uh, they went through a time a couple of years ago where they called a man uh, from overseas, but because of COVID shutting everything down and he could not get a visa and it was going to be years out, it just seemed it did not work. And uh, they have issued a call to a student recently graduated from GRS, Geneva Reform Seminary, and uh, Mr. Logan Elder was licensed just one week ago today. And uh, so Reverend uh, Logan Elder received a call from the Orlando congregation, and he was presented with that call on Friday night, and it didn't take him long to acknowledge. He informed the clerk of our presbytery that he has accepted that call, and so he, we will now begin organizing a time for his ordination service in Orlando, and that's a cause for great rejoicing for that congregation, and certainly a step forward, and it encourages us all to pray on for the other pulpits that we have that are vacant and that need to have a man, that God will answer that prayer as well and bring along the right man. Please remember in prayer some important things we have been thinking about. Simeon Frank from our Alabama congregation, a a baby, a young baby who had just had to receive a surgery, a very serious surgery, came through it last week successfully, and now we're praying for the recovery of this little one and also for his parents. And of course, Mrs. June Hamilton, the wife of Stephen Hamilton in Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania, uh, she is going to be facing surgery uh, coming up again very soon. She already had some emergency surgery, and just pray for her recovery. It's a cancer that she is dealing with, and we want to remember her before the Lord. Also, there's a grade 10 student in our school, Joanna, and tomorrow, uh, I believe, she'll be facing uh, surgery and want to pray for her as well. She is a believer. Uh, she's trusting in the Lord, and uh, just pray that 
the Lord will bless the surgeons and help them and encourage them uh, along the way as well. I know that Jill would appreciate your prayers. She is traveling down to North Carolina. She'll be speaking in Winston-Salem in the women's conference that they have, and I know she would greatly appreciate your prayers for her at this time as well. Remember, please, the service is today, this afternoon at 5.50. We have our pre-service prayer time, and our evening worship time is 6.30, and uh, Reverend McClung will be back with us then as well. After the evening service tonight, we have a time of fellowship, being the last Lord's Day of the month, and Team 2 is on for hospitality, Team 2, and so if you ladies would take note of that, and of course, we encourage everyone to bring a little food after so we could have some fellowship and come along and enjoy that as well tonight. Wednesday evening, our Bible study and prayer time at 7.30, and then next Lord's Day, well, we have our Sunday school opening, uh, gathered together downstairs, a joint opening of all classes, and then we will have our communion service after the morning next Lord's Day. So please be in prayer for all of these services. One advance note for the congregation, on November the 9th, that's a couple of Wednesdays away, we're going to be having the Pregnancy Care Center a representative uh, from that is going to be coming and speaking at our prayer meeting and just sharing with us the ministry that they are doing. And uh, we want, we've been supporting them in prayer and in practical ways. So set that time aside and plan to come along for that special meeting. Let's sing again to the Lord's praise, number 590, 590. Remain seated while we sing this hymn. And if you have an offering for the Lord, the plate is in the foyer and the back there. You feel welcome to leave an offering there as the Lord directs you. 590.
stand, please, as we sing this final stanza, and you're singing well today. It's good even to take a pause up here and just hear. It's like hearing in stereo. It's coming from both sides, and it's very good. And so let's lift up our voices to the Lord this final verse. Good to see our sister Diana Bershadsky back with us in the service. Uh, as I mentioned to you, we were praying for her last Lord's Day, and she had a, a tumble and broke her ankle, uh, but she's got her own wheels there. I don't know if you have to be licensed to drive one of those things or not, but uh, it's a nice little thing to be able to get around on without crutches and maybe a little bit safer as well. But Diana, we've been praying for you. Glad to see you back in the service today. Reverend Brian McClung, he was here about 11 years ago. Actually, he was speaking in the Port Hope meetings back then too, and we've almost had a repeat situation because he was preaching for us on the Lord's Day at the conclusion of that time 11 years ago. And uh, a lot of you have got a bit older from that time and maybe a bit grayer, uh, but uh, we're happy that he is back with us. He is the minister of the Newton Abbey Free Presbyterian Church in Northern Ireland. And we've appreciated our brother's ministry. I was able to get out two nights the past week in Port Hope and appreciated his ministry there. And uh, do remember his church in Newton Abbey. They also have a Christian school there. And so we have a link and some association as we also have a, a similar ministry. We appreciate our brother's stand for the Lord, his faithfulness in the gospel preaching. And so we're happy he's here with us to bring the word today and then also at the service tonight. So, brother, please come and bring the word. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Saunders. It's my joy and pleasure to be here today and to have the opportunity of ministering the word of God among you. And we're thankful to the Lord for the help given in the meetings in Port Hope and for those who from this congregation came down and supported the meetings. We appreciate that very much as well. And we look to the Lord today that he will draw near and bless us afresh as we gather around his word. And there is that connection for Mrs. Saunders taught in our school in Newton Abbey when her husband was over in Whitfield College of the Bible. And he was a student there. And uh, that's where maybe she began her, her teaching career, I think. So there is that connection. And uh, we're very appreciative of that. We're marking uh, 40 years in our school. Um, at the end of this academic year, we're also marking 70 years for our congregation. It's 1953 that our congregation commenced. Um, not just where we are at the moment, we have moved location a couple of times actually, but it started in a place called White Abbey, and then it moved and then it changed its name as well and took on the name of the borough which is Newton Abbey. There's no actual place, and sometimes people even in Northern Ireland struggle finding us 
because they're looking for a place called Newton Abbey. Well, there isn't a place called Newton Abbey. We're actually on the outskirts of Glengormley. The borough of Newton Abbey has brought together a number of, of towns and little villages, and we take the borough name. So um, we do bring you greetings from our congregation. I don't know whether some of them maybe are listening online at, at the moment, um, but uh, I know that we often think and pray for the works in North America, and we're always glad to hear. Uh, some of us are on the emailing list as well, and that little report that goes out from our sister Judy Brown in Greenville, uh, some of us get that. So we are kept up to date with what is happening in North America and the works, and uh, we certainly pray for you. The Lord will bless and keep his hand upon you, and appreciate the opportunity to fellowship with Dr. Saunders as well. And uh, I was telling him yesterday, the first time I ever met him was when he, as a student, came to, I think along with other students, to my home church in Clahar Valley. And uh, he and another of the students were with my mother and father for dinner that day. And that's the very first time I remember uh, ever meeting him. I think it was the Reverend Paul Fitzsimons that you were with, if I remember correctly. Uh, but I do remember you being in uh, our home at that time. So... Um, that goes back a few years, uh, as the case is. If you turn to Psalm 74, please, this morning, we want to read this psalm through, and we do want to tie in what we want to say this morning with uh, saying some things about the Protestant Reformation. It is something that uh, we certainly ought to mark and remember and give thanks to the Lord for for it was a mighty move of God, and we live with the blessings uh, still. I know we may lament, and we're going to think a little bit about that this morning, but we may lament the decline that there is in our times, and in many respects the tide has gone out in, in at least Western uh, nations, uh, but we still live with the benefits of the Protestant Reformation in many ways, and chiefly, as Dr. Saunders has highlighted, with having the Word of God that's the greatest of all blessings. We're going to think a little bit more about that this evening time when we come to God's Word, but um, we certainly want to acknowledge the Lord's mercy and remind ourselves of something of what He has done. And even I trust today that I might stir your heart uh, as we look at God's Word to pray the Lord would come again in these times and refresh His cause once more, and we can look to Him with that confidence. So Psalm 74 then, we're going to read from the opening verse of this psalm. And the Word of God says, O God, why hast thou cast us off forever? Why doth thy anger smoke against the sheep of thy pasture? Remember thy congregation, which thou hast purchased of old, the rod of thine inheritance, which thou hast redeemed, this Mount Zion wherein thou hast dwelt. Lift up thy feet unto the perpetual desolations, even all that the enemy hath done wickedly in the sanctuary. Thine enemies roar in the midst of thy congregations. They set up their ensigns for signs. A man was famous according as he had lifted up axes upon the thick trees. But now they break down the carved work thereof at once with axes and hammers. Thou hast cast fire into thy sanctuary. They have defiled by casting down the dwelling place of thy name to the ground. They say in their hearts, let us destroy them together. 
They have burdened up all the synagogues of God in the land. We see not our signs. There is no more any prophet, neither is there among us any that knoweth how long. O God, how long shall the adversary reproach? Shall the enemy blaspheme thy name forever? Why withdrawest thou thy hand, even thy right hand? Pluck it out of thy bosom. For God is my king of old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. Thou didst divide the sea by thy strength. Thou breakest the heads of the dragons in the waters. Thou breakest the heads of Leviathan in pieces, and givest him to be meat to the people inhabiting the wilderness. Thou didst cleave the fountain and the flood. Thou driest up mighty rivers. The day is thine, the night also is thine. Thou hast prepared the light and the sun. Thou hast set all the borders of the earth. Thou hast made summer and winter. Remember this, that the enemy hath reproached, O Lord, and that the foolish people have blasphemed thy name. O deliver not the soul of thy turtle dove unto the multitude of the wicked. Forget not the congregation of thy poor forever. Have respect unto the covenant for the dark places of the earth are full of the habitations of cruelty. O let not the oppressed return ashamed. Let the poor and needy praise thy name. Arise, O God, plead thine own cause. Remember how the foolish man reproacheth thee daily. Forget not the voice of thine enemies. The tumult of those that rise up against thee increaseth continually. Amen. We know the Lord will add His blessing to the reading of His Holy Word this day to all of our hearts. It is the 22nd verse that I want you to consider, particularly the opening line of that 22nd verse. It is a prayer here of the psalmist, Arise, O God, plead thine own cause. Arise, O God, plead thine own cause. With God's Word open before us, we're going to bow together in prayer and ask Him for His help as we come to His Word. Our Heavenly Father, we bless Thee today that we are found in the house of God. We have the opportunity to gather like this. We have Thy Word open before us. We've been reminded already today of the freeness of the Scriptures. And Lord, we thank Thee that God's Word is an open book. We have it in our mother tongue and we can read it and meditate upon it. And we pray today, Lord, that Thou will indeed come and minister to our hearts. We thank Thee that Thy Word, they are the words of life. And we pray that the one who is the giver of these words will be the applier of its truths to our heart. And as we spend a little time this day around Thy Word gathered here now in Thy house, we pray that our meditation in thy word will be sweet to our souls. We bless thee for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank thee for the one who is our Redeemer, the one who is our Mediator, the one who even now pleads for us at the Father's right hand. And we pray that thou will bless us as we're gathered here and bestow thy favor upon us as we're found here now. And we ask, Lord, that thou will draw nigh and speak to every heart. So grant us that help that we need, help to hear and to receive thy word. I need that added help to preach. Lord, grant that now 
I humbly pray, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This particular psalm, Psalm 74, is one of 12 psalms of Asaph, and you'll see his name at the commencement of it. There's a number that come from his particular pen, and it is also an instructive psalm. That's what the the word uh, maskal there at the beginning of the psalm as well, and if you've got a margin with you, or a Bible with a margin in it, you'll find that it's a psalm to give instruction. So not only is it telling us something of what happened historically, and that is true, but it's also a psalm that is designed to impart information and knowledge and application to our own hearts and our own lives as we read it. In fact, that word maskal there has the idea, uh, it comes from the verb to understand, uh, to be wise, and even to prosper. And there's connecting thoughts there. Because if we are indeed those who come to understand, and particularly if we come to understand the Word of God, well, we're told that that will make us wise. Wasn't that what Paul said about Timothy, that from a child he had known the Holy Scriptures, which were able to make him wise unto salvation? And if we are those who learn from the Word of God and imbibe its truths and apply the lessons found in God's Word to our hearts and lives, well, we'll certainly have understanding, and it will make us wise as well will be the wisest of individuals. The wisest of people in the world are those who follow the Word of God. That's not how the world looks upon it, but it is true. Those who follow God's Word are wise, and they will prosper too. That's the third thought that there is in the meaning of that word masculine, that it not only does it apply to understanding and wisdom, but then it leads on to prosperity. And God's Word will bring, cause us to prosper, prosper spiritually. And there's many references that you could think about. Joshua comes to mind how the Lord told him not to turn to the right hand or to the left, but follow all that the Lord had taught him, all that the Lord had laid down in the law. And he told Joshua that he would prosper as a result of following the Lord and following his word. And you and I today, can be wise, and we can prosper spiritually too if we take heed to the Word of God. And how great the blessing is to have the Word of the Lord. Uh, In thinking about this, as I say, it is a historical psalm, uh, and many commentators apply it to the days of Nebuchadnezzar. That is how we understand it historically, but there's there's application that we can think about uh, times like the Protestant Reformation, Because is it not the case when we come to the words of verse 22 here that we want to consider this morning, is it not the case that the Protestant Reformation was a time when God did arise and plead His own cause? That that really summarizes up. Now, the Lord used human instruments like Luther and Calvin and William Tyndale as well, but ultimately God was rising up to plead His own cause after years, after centuries of darkness through those Middle Ages, when there was very little light. There was some. We believe God always has a witness. He never leaves Himself without a witness. And there were those in in Europe, little groups like the Waldensians and the Albigenses, who had the light and sought to spread it. But it, it was very limited because the Roman church was so prevalent and the darkness was descending. And as has been mentioned, the Bible was a closed book and people were not allowed to have the Scriptures. And the Lord started to use instruments like Luther and Calvin and 
many others. But ultimately, we can say it was a time when God arose to plead his own cause. And we can rejoice in that and take it as a, a, an opportunity to consider, as we often do, many parts of the Reformation and how God worked, and how he worked particularly through his word, particularly in, in England. We often think about William Tyndale and the Scriptures and how he purposed that the plowman would have a copy of the Word of God and be able to read the Scriptures in his own language. And he was opposed, and ultimately he sacrificed his life. He was betrayed, and he was arrested by the authorities, and ultimately he was put to death. But he gave his life and soul into having the Word of God. In fact, our, our authorized version, so much of it, I think someone, if the figure is right in my own mind, something like 75% of the translation in the authorized version is actually Tyndale's translation. That it goes back as far as that. Many of those familiar sayings that we have in the Word of God that we, are, we know so well and how it is translated actually was Tyndale's translation. We owe the Lord so much to what He has done in the past, to when He arose and pleaded His own cause and, own, uh, uh, and owned His own Word and made it much more available that many were able to read it. And Tyndale's prayer as well opened the King of England's eyes. And God answered that prayer. And God opened the King of England's eyes and gave a monarch that had a love for the Word of God and a desire to spread that Word so we certainly want to go back and remember what God has done and to give thanks. That's the purpose for remembrance. It's like the remembrance table. We come to give thanks as we remember what the Lord has done for us in times of communion. Well, when we look back into history and we think of particular incidences and more general the Protestant Reformation as a whole, it's an occasion to give thanks. And certainly today, we ought to raise our, our thanks to the Lord in, in humble acknowledgement for what he has done. But I also want to, to stir your heart to even pray these words in this day. I imagine that it applies just as much to this part of the world as it does to our own land, that the tide has gone out somewhat and things are not as once they were, and we long for the Lord to come again and refresh his cause in this day and age that we live in. And here's a, here's a very simple prayer that we can take and look to the Lord in our own times and, and take these words of verse 22 and cry to the Lord, Arise, O God, plead thine own cause. That God would come again and do as he has done in times past. It's not something that has never been done that we are looking for the Lord to do. And I think that comes out here in this particular psalm. It's not something that had never happened before that the psalmist is looking for the Lord to do. He's looking for the Lord to do that which he has done in times past. And again, that, that is our, our prayer as well, that the Lord would come and do what he has done in times past, because in the past he has refreshed his cause. In the past he has risen to plead his own cause, his own honor, his own glory. I often think of those words that you have at the end of Lamentations, where you have the prayer of the prophet as he surveyed the desolations that had come upon the city of Jerusalem and upon the people as well. And there at the end of Lamentations, 
where he says in verse chapter 5 and verse 21, Turn thou unto us, O Lord, and we shall be turned. Renew our days as of old. Renew our days as of old. So he was looking for the Lord to do something in the present. That's what his prayer, Turn thou us unto thee, O Lord. But then he's also remembering what God has done in the past, and he says, Lord, that's the pattern that we want you to follow. We want you to so turn us today in the present, but we want you to do it as you've done it in the past. Well, isn't that our prayer today as well? We want the Lord to arise and plead his own cause and to do it as he has done so in the past. And when, for example, in the Protestant Reformation, he arose and blessed his word and used it and the gospel spread through nations and there was a great turning on to the Lord, we want the Lord to do something like that again, to bring us back and anchor ourselves afresh in his word and in his truth that is revealed in his word. We want him to do it as he has done it in the past. And he, he is able to do that. And I trust as we take a moment or two and consider some things here uh, this morning that I will encourage your heart and that you would be encouraged even to take up these few words and make it your prayer that God would arise in your day and your land and plead his own cause as we would pray the same in our land and in our nation. I want you to think here something of the features that surround this uh, particular prayer because it highlights that there, there was an attack upon the cause of God. Why else would the psalmist be praying as he is unless there was a need for the Lord to rise and plead his own cause? And there's many things that the, the, the psalmist is highlighting here. We're, we're not going this morning to be able to cover them all, but I want you to consider some of them. For example, if you look at verse 20, just the previous uh, verse but one, you'll notice there something of a time of spiritual darkness and increasing wickedness is highlighted to us in verse 20. Have respect unto the covenant, for the dark places of the earth are full of the habitations of cruelty. The dark places of the earth are full of the habitations of cruelty. And the, the psalmist is speaking about spiritual darkness. And we know spiritual darkness is connected with a lack of understanding and a lack of knowledge, tying in with the word that is here in the, at the beginning in the title of the psalm. And you have it in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 18 as well, whereas there, there's that connection with darkness and a lack of knowledge and a lack of understanding. And what is it that, that explains that darkness that there is upon society and in the hearts of many, and even an increasing darkness that there is? It's the lack of knowledge. It's the lack of understanding of the Word of God. There is no knowledge of His truth, and therefore there is this darkness that is increasing. It, it's always there because there's a natural darkness in every human heart, a lack of spiritual understanding. But when there is a lack of knowledge and a lack of the preaching of the Word of God, that, that darkness in, increases. And those who go to labor in pioneer work in places where there's very little knowledge of the Word of God will tell you something of the darkness, the spiritual darkness that there are in these places. Some of our missionaries, when they, they will tell you something of the, the darkness that there are in other lands and very little knowledge of the things of God at all, 
And there's a great spiritual darkness. Well, the psalmist here is lamenting the spiritual darkness, and alongside it, the, the increasing wickedness that there is. Speaks there about the habitations of cruelty. That's always the mark of false religion and the lack of knowledge of the things of God, increasing cruelty. Baal worship was a, was a cruel religion. You, you know from the, the Word of God something of the, the manner of which Baal was worshipped and the, the sacrifices, the living sacrifices of children that were offered to Baal. We read about kings who made their children to pass through the fire. And they, they, they sacrificed living children unto Baal, thinking that, that Baal needed to be appeased. That's often the feature of false religion. That somehow the God they worship is always angry and needs to be appeased. And therefore they have to uh, offer that which they count of great value and great worth unto these gods that need to be appeased. They know nothing of what it is to be reconciled unto God through the death of Jesus Christ and the blood that He shed at Calvary. They know nothing of reconciliation. They're always under that impression that somehow God is angry with them continually, and He has to be appeased. And it's a, a feature of, of false religion, cruelty. It's a feature of irreligion. I'm sure your land is no different to our land, and the, the lack of value placed on, on human life and on the unborn and the abuse that develops of every sort and even the lack of respect for, for womenhood as well. There's an increasing cruelty in the world. And it's all traceable back to a lack of knowledge and a lack of understanding. As the psalmist here is highlighting in this particular place, there's, there's the dark places of the earth. And certainly, we have to acknowledge that before God, that the nations of the earth are having so been so blessed and privileged by the light that went out from the, the Protestant Reformation that, that that darkness is descending once again. And I'll just preach about my own nation, and you can apply it to your nation here in Canada. But I certainly, in, back in the United Kingdom and in Northern Ireland, that darkness is descending because we're, we're losing. There's a, a turning away from the Word of God and from the knowledge that the Word of God brings. And with it, not only is there that spiritual darkness, but there's that increasing cruelty as well. There's also mentions here about blasphemy. If you go back to verse 18, verse 10 also mentions it. Maybe we'll just take verse 10. First of all, O God, how long shall the adversary reproach? Shall the enemy blaspheme thy name forever? And then verse 18, remember this, that the enemy hath reproached, O Lord, and that the foolish people have blasphemed thy name. The growing blasphemy of the Lord's name and everything to do with the Lord. The psalmist there ties it in with, with foolish people, not, not stupid people, foolish people, because oftentimes it's the intellectual and the worldly wise who are doing the blaspheming of the Lord and His, his name and His ways and His word and His day and His law. They're foolish, but they're the intellectuals of the world. They're looked upon as being the wise of the world, that wisdom is with them, and there's a growing blasphemy against the Lord and all the things that have to do with Him. 
And as a result, it's often a day of reproach. And you'll see there in both verse 10 and in verse, eight, uh, verse 18 that the psalmist here speaks about reproach. Those who stand for the truth, those who hold to God's Word, are reproached for doing so. They're reproached because they believe the Bible. And is that not the case today? That if you stand up and say you believe the Word of God, and you believe it in its entirety, and you accept it in its entirety, that you'll be reproached for that? That you'll be the object of mockery and ridicule and scorn? If you stand up and say, I believe the Bible, I believe in a God who's created all things, I believe in holiness of life and living by the law of God, you'll be reproached for that and mocked and scorned because that, that's not the thinking of the age. So, this is something of the, 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 the features here that, that give rise to this particular prayer that you have of the psalmist in, in Psalm uh, 74 and verse 22. I want you secondly to consider something of the focus of this attack, because there's two particular uh, areas here that are highlighted by the psalmist. First of all, he highlights the sanctuary of God. And we go back to the earlier verses here, particularly verses 3 down through to 8. And we're not going to read these verses. We've already done so uh, in our Bible reading, but there is a focus there upon the sanctuary. You'll see the sanctuary mentioned in verse 3, and then the congregations mentioned in verse 4, and, and so on down through to, to verse 8, as I say, where the synagogues are mentioned. So there's the house of God that comes under attack. And then also, as you progress on through the psalm, there is the people of God who are the second area that the enemy focuses on. And there's a number of statements and descriptive titles given by the psalmist here that indicates that they too are the focus of the enemy's attack. And sometimes the, the church begins to feel the inroads of the enemy in the day that they live in. It, it, it feels as if they're encroaching and that the enemy is, is getting nearer and nearer. It must be a little bit like some of those places like Ukraine where there's war going on at the moment and people can feel the enemy getting closer and closer. There's a, a, a gentleman, he, he actually came and spoke to our young people at our, our youth fellowship um, meeting. We have a, a monthly Sunday evening youth fellowship meeting, and um, he does a lot of work in Ukraine. And he used to be Dr. Paisley's uh, bodyguard. He was a, a policeman, Roman Catholic policeman, came to know the Lord, and then started a work, and part of that work is in, in the land of Ukraine. And he's a wonderful testimony, but not only a wonderful testimony how the Lord saved him, but also then to hear something about what is happening in the land of Ukraine. And he, he was speaking about those believers in, in Ukraine who, who, who knew that the Russians were coming. Coming even to, he, he spoke about a particular fork in, in the road. And if they come down one road, they were coming to their town. And they cried on to the Lord, the Lord would deliver them. And the Lord did, and the, and the armies went down a, a, another road. But I often think, well, you know, what must it have been like to be living in that environment and to, to know that they're so close and that they're coming? We, we know nothing of that. I know we have had our troubles in Northern Ireland over the years and living, growing up uh, through them a little bit, but 
What must it be like to be in some of those places where they know the enemy is so close and, and maybe they can even hear them shelling and whatever is taking place? Well, there's times the church of Jesus Christ can feel that. They can feel the enemy near. And it would suggest here that in the psalm, that's how the psalmist is feeling. He's thinking about the sanctuary. He's thinking about the people of God. And he says, Lord, they're, they're, it's as if the enemy is near. They're making their inroads and they're encroaching. In such a set of circumstances, this is his prayer. Lord, it's, it's time for you to arise. Plead your own cause. And if you feel the inroads of the enemies of God today, and be into your own life, your own witness, into the work of God and the church of Jesus Christ, what, what do we do? Well, here's, here's, here's the answer. In this psalm and in this particular prayer, here, here's the answer. In the last place, I want you to consider the frustrating of this attack upon the cause of God that is highlighted here, because prayer is the answer, and God answers prayer. And that's why Hasif is here looking to the Lord to arise and plead his own cause. He can take comfort from times past. He can look back to times when the Lord heard the cry of the people of God and come to their help. No more obvious, surely, than, than that way back in, in Exodus, when there is the details given to us at the commencement of the book of Exodus, how there was a crying unto the Lord, and that the Lord heard the Lord heard the cry of, of His people. And it, it came up before the, the Lord, and particularly there in uh, Exodus chapter 3, and verses 7, 8, and 9, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them out of the land into a good land, and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. Asaph could go back to a portion of Scripture like that, and take heart and take encouragement, knowing the Lord has done this before. He's heard, he's observed, and he has come down to do something and to bring them out of those circumstances and bring them into a better land, into better circumstances. And the Lord has, has done so many times. He did so in the Protestant Reformation. For example, when they put old Huss to death, he prayed that the Lord would raise up another. And within a hundred years, Luther was raised up by God. The Lord hears the cry of the oppressed. And Asaph can take encouragement here, and you and I can take encouragement as well, because it will take God to arise for the enemy to be frustrated. That's, that's what we need. We, we cannot do this of ourselves, believer, in this day and age in which we live, nor any other age either. How, how do we see the enemy driven back and repelled 
and their inroads into the work of God and the church of Jesus Christ, frustrated only by the Lord arising and coming to our help. You see, if you go back in the psalm a little bit there, the the psalmist feels as if God has, has sat down. That's why he's saying, arise. We could go back into some other uh, verses this morning where the Lord said that he would, he would walk among his people. You go back to Numbers 10, 35. We'll just not turn it up for, for sake of time this morning. But, for example, if you go back there to Numbers 10, 35, you read about where the Lord said that he would walk among his people, that he would always be active for their defense and for their good. But the psalmist feels as if God has somehow sat down and that the Lord is not working as he, he ought to and as he would desire him to. And there's, there's reasons for that. The people need turn to the Lord. That, that's part of the, the difficulty here in the context of the psalm. But for example, in, in uh, verse 11 of, of the psalm, it says there, Why withdrawest thou thy hand, even thy right hand? Pluck it out of thy bosom. Well, the psalmist is saying, Lord, is there not a reason for thee to pluck out thy thy hand and make bare thine arm and show thyself strong? That's often used as a description for what the Lord did in bringing them out of Egypt. He did it with an outstretched hand and with a mighty arm. And he's looking for the Lord to to do that. And can we not say, thinking about the Protestant Reformation and, and what happened in those times, can we not today say, Lord, do something like what you've done in the past. Arise today. Is there not a cause? Arise and plead thine own cause. And I just want to finish off with that thought. You see, it's not the cause of the kingdom of Judah that Asaph was praying for. He didn't say, Lord, arise for the sake of the Jews. He could have, but he didn't. He prayed in a particular way. He prayed that God would arise and plead his own cause. And that's very important. That we are always those who live for the honor and the glory of his name. It was one of those great pillars of the Reformation, those five pillars of the Reformation, that it was to the glory of God. That was the final pillar. That everything would be to the glory of God. That as you live your life, whatever it is the Lord has called you to do, that you live to the glory of God. That, that, was, that was how the, this, the whole idea of, of religious orders was pulled down. Because it wasn't only those who went into the monastery or the nunnery that lived for the glory of God. Every believer was to live to the glory of God. Whatever it was the Lord was calling them to do in, in normal life, whether it's in your home or in your work or young people at school or in further education, you do everything to the glory of God. And that was one of the great truths that come out of the Protestant Reformation. And really was the, 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 the axe at the root of the tree of, of holy orders. You didn't have to go into the monastery. See, that's, that's what Luther thought. Luther thought the only way that he could be reconciled unto God would be if he become a monk. And he realized that it wasn't what he was shutting himself away from that was the problem. It was what was in his own heart was the problem. He took sins into the monastery, the sins that were in his own heart. He took them into the monastery. But we live for the glory of God. 
And Asaph here is, is praying to that end. It's not some, something very personal to him. It's only his interests that he's thinking about. No, he's thinking about God's cause. Lord, plead your own cause, your own honor, your own name, your own glory. And that is what we need the Lord to do today. Lord, come and work for your own glory. Do something in this day and age in which we live in that will glorify your own name. That'll, that'll make God's people rejoice. That'll make our hearts glad when we see the Lord doing that. And I, I trust the Lord will do so. So here's a, here's a, pray, a, a prayer to pray today. We can learn from the past and thank the Lord for what he has done, but then ask, Lord, do the same today. Come again today. And whether in your land or back home in Ulster, the Lord would arise and plead his own cause and bring glory to his own name. Let's bow together in prayer as we come to an end. Our Father, we thank thee for thy word. We pray that thou will write its truth upon our hearts. Encourage our hearts, Lord. And may we look up and look to Thee to come in our own day, in this age that we have to serve in and live for Thee. And Lord, arise and plead Thine own cause. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Sharing that word this morning, and what a good challenge that was from this psalm. Let us sing to... The Lord's praise now, a closing hymn number 592, Onward, Christian Soldiers. And let's stand as we sing to the Lord's praise.
Now, before we sing this final stanza today, I'm glad to hear you're singing heartily unto the Lord. This is a great hymn of the faith. It's full of testimony, full of the cause of Christ and the purpose that we are to go on raising the banner of the Lord for the honor of him. And as we've been hearing today, for the glory of God himself and that each one of us as his people will live our life to his glory. And may we go forward doing that for his own cause. It's good to see some of you singing out with all your heart getting into this this morning. And our brother Ted back there, he's beating the back of the, of the pew, singing to the rhythm of that. And that's good as well. We're encouraged by that. Onward then, ye people, join our happy throng. Blend with ours your voices in the triumph song. Glory, laud, and honor unto Christ the King. This through countless ages men and angels sing. Let that be our testimony today. Final verse. I pray today that this testimony of song would be in the heart of every true believer in Christ. Help us to go forward in the joy and in the peace of Christ and with the Spirit of God enabling us to bear a witness every day for our Lord Jesus. I pray, dear Father, that you would bless every believing heart here Put your spirit and blessing upon every family. And Lord, again we pray for any who are without Christ today, that their hearts would be melted by the Spirit and they would come face to face with the reality of their own sin and of a lost eternity. And they would be drawn out to say, What must I do to be saved? Lord, Hear and answer our prayer this morning. Encourage every heart and part us now in your fear with that blessing and bring us back again to the house of prayer and praise and worship tonight. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>